Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. I am your host, Patrick, and my good friend is Eric. Follow us on Letterboxd. I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey. Each episode, we pick a film to watch together and secretly pick something to watch on our own inspired by that choice. Today's film is... Dirty Computer. Hello, Eric. Hello. This is going to be the After Dark episode of Such Sights to See. Only because... uh, (laughs) Sensual voice? No, no, I'm I'm just a little under the weather, so my voice is, is a little more sultry than usual. Oh, it just sounded creepy to me. Yeah, well, this is a warning for all the listeners, you know. Don't uh, listen and drive. You never know. Yeah, this is a warning to all the listeners. If you hear him make this voice run. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) get far away. (laughs) Oh, man. So I I was on vacation last week, but I managed to see a couple movies uh, when I got back because I didn't really want to do much besides... uh, sit down and watch some movies. So I have a few that I might talk about. How about you? How was your movie watching since last Uh, episode? Pretty sporadic, but I've got one to talk about, I think a little bit. Okay. Well, let me, let me jump in with one uh, first. So I watched a movie called Fox fur from 2012. It's from uh, Damon Packard. Who's like this underground uh, filmmaker. He made the, um, the weird behind-the-scenes Star Wars movie. Did you ever hear of that one? It's is called the one? Untitled Star Wars Mockumentary. Is that why I know the name? You might have. It's a parody of the attack of the, behind the scenes of Attack of the Clones. It's weird. So the the second worst <laughs> Star Wars movie. <laughs> well, let's not go there. That's a whole episode discussion of ranking the Star Wars. I think it is definitely towards the bottom i'll agree with you on that anyway fox fur is about this girl named fox fur who is okay i can't even describe the plot of this movie because it's it's only an hour long and it is like a metaphysical uh magical adventure film where the main character keeps changing uh actresses and it's kind of telling this larger than life story about the, this rift um, between dimensions that's happening. And it's definitely shot on video with a lot of Adobe after effects, like sparkles everywhere and some weird, weird uh, special effects in the background and things. And it's got a tone that is somewhere between bad comedy and, a pretentious surrealism. I don't know how to describe it. It's a very weird movie and I implore people to watch it because it's very different. And Damon Packer definitely has a vision that he has realized. And I admire that. And it's only an hour. Um, and it made this me is a very want... ringing endorsement. <laughs> and it made me want don't to watch worry, more of his movies. It's only an hour. <laughs> yeah. It's only an hour. You can watch that. Uh, yeah, it made me want to watch more of his movies to see what what uh, what this guy is capable of, that, that type of filmmaker. So, yeah, Fox Fur. Cool. 
Well, you know, it's getting to be spooky season a little early for me, but anytime it starts to dip into the 70s or high 60s on a regular basis at the end of August, I'm like, it's time. It's my time to shine. (laughs) Um, And I watched a movie that I'm pretty sure you I can't imagine you haven't seen it because I was shocked that I haven't seen it. Um, Jennifer's Body, the 2009 film directed by Karen Kusama and written by Diablo Cody apparently wrote it basically at the same time she was writing Juno. They wrote both screenplays in the same year. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, have you seen it? I have. Yes. I was pretty disappointed in it. Oh, really? I thought it was going to be. So th- there's a funny little story that I read about it um, in that the marketing team for this movie was all males and the director and especially Megan Fox um, stars as the main character mm-hmm. uh, had to keep, you know, kind of trying to explain what the movie was about, which I would love to hear those explanations because I also didn't know what they were really going for. Um, it's kind of like a horror comedy, but it's not scary or funny enough to do either thing well. And I, I think like one of the things I like about horror is how it's a great kind of like mirror into humanity. It's a great way of telling like these metaphorical stories um, and examining some kind of like deeper emotional issues and things. And I just wasn't sure what they were doing in this one. What what kind of like issue they were trying to explore? Is it toxic friendships? Uh, it's about these two girls. There's... Um, the sex bomb, Megan Fox, Mm -hmm. and then her friend. First, there were so many people in this movie. It was crazy. I didn't realize Amanda Seyfried's in it. Uh, J.K. Simmons, uh, Amanda Seyfried plays the best friend who's like this nerdy, you know, shy girl. And Megan Fox is uh, the outgoing cheerleader and their best friends since they were kids. But it's a really one-sided friendship. And Amanda Seyfried may or may not have romantic feelings for her friend. So mm-hmm. I didn't know if that was what they were kind of examining, but also um, Megan Fox becomes a demon and she's like literally eating men. There's this throwaway, what seems like a throwaway line at the end of the movie about how, you know, she's taking laxatives. So is it about an eating disorder that they're like literally making an eating disorder by having her basically be a succubus who eats men after like, trying to seduce them i don't know Mm. it was just there was something missing about this movie i don't know what they were really going for tonally it was kind of inconsistent uh seemed like a really fun concept but it was just disappointing i uh liked it more than you did i don't remember i remember thinking this script was a little bit of a mess for sure thematically i don't remember if i felt the same way you do but i do remember that i was really impressed visually it was like bold and bloody and it just looked cool the whole time and yeah i, I loved that. The, the level of gore well, i i appreciated that mm-hmm. but there was just like there was not a lot of meat on these bones hmm. okay i have to watch it again i did remember liking it i give it three and a half on letterboxd i think so. i'd give it a two and a half it was okay it wasn't mm-hmm. like I wouldn't tell people not to watch this, but I was just, you know, given uh, who was in it, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Amanda Seyfried, especially. um, And Megan Fox is never, never bad to look at. So, you know, 
And I, I really like Diablo Cody, at least like uh, Juno was one of my favorite things that I saw in a long time way back in 2007. Um, so I just I guess I just wanted more. Wanted more okay. on point, more on theme. Adam Brody uh, plays the douchey lead singer of this terrible band. Chris Pratt's in it, too. Chris Pratt <laughs> is in it for like he has basically a cup of coffee. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was watching this movie and I think I got more enjoyment out of like, holy cow, Lance Henriksen's here for like the final two minutes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a that's a good uh, J.K. Simmons who... as like this soft spoken, goofy teacher was mm-hmm. really, really a joy to watch. There was a lot to like in the movie. I just. Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. OK, that's fair. All right, well, I'm going to tell you a movie that will do it for you. I, you know, our little film club is watching Aliens this month, so I decided to watch a big Alien movie that I've never seen before. Uh, it is from the director, Stuart Raphael, who did a movie I talked about recently, The Ice Pirates, as well as Tammy and the T-Rex. This is a movie that is one of Paul Rudd's favorites, 1988's Mac and Me. Have you ever heard of this? I've never seen it. (laughs) Okay. So Mac and me is a clear ET ripoff. Uh, It is a alien family gets uh, mysterious accidentally sent to earth and escapes the government facility. And the government is trying to hunt them down. And the little child alien gets separated from his parents and ends up with this family. Um, young boy named Eric who's in a wheelchair and befriends this alien and they try to him and his neighbor and his brother try to save the alien from the government who's trying to take it uh capture it again it's et it has horrifying special effects the aliens are (laughs) so strange and off-putting to look at and the way they move is very unsettling i did not like watching that at all Um, otherwise the movie is not as bad as people make it out to be. It's definitely funny. You watch it with some like friends and you'll have a good time. Uh, you do have friends, right? Not really. I'm working on it though. (laughs) Well, um, this one may help if you can get other people in the room to join you. It, uh, so it's full of product placement. That's the other big thing that people mention about this movie the alien loves his coke the and skittles it's and there are so many scenes that are taken directly from et so it's kind of like bad but just inoffensively bad and funny bad it's not horrible i gave it two stars i think it's more entertaining than most bad movies for sure and uh i can see why Paul Rudd kept showing that clip on the Conan O'Brien show. <laughs> Have you seen that? Heard that story? No. So Paul Rudd way back when he first appeared on Conan O'Brien brought a clip from whatever movie he was promoting. And instead of a clip from his movie, he showed a clip from Mac and me of the kid in the wheelchair rolling down a hill and falling into a lake and then the alien popping up. And, and then he would do that consistently for like the next 20 years every time he went on the Conan O'Brien show he would you know pretend to show a clip of his movie and instead show the same clip from Mac and me 
it, that's amazing. It is a very funny uh, sequence of events. I'll send you a link to like the compilation. Uh, and then the last thing that he did recently was he was on Conan O'Brien's podcast and he pretended to have another podcast that he was promoting and he was going to play some audio from it and instead played the audio from that scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love what? Paul Red. I really yep. hope he's actually a good person. I know. Yeah. He's one of those guys that if he ever gets canceled, it would be a blow to humanity. Uh, all right. So Mac and me check it out. So that's all I got. I think we could uh, move on to our main topic. Move on to our main topic. Something you gleaned from deep or not so deep, probably actually in my letterbox list, dirty computer, 2018. Uh, I, I'm always a fan when things are directed by multiple people because that's the sign of a strong movie. And this, this film, if it can be called that has three directors, Andrew Donahoe, Lacey Duke and Alan Ferguson. Also three writers, at least three listed Alan Ferguson, Chuck lightning, which does not at all sound like someone who probably also moonlights as a porn writer and <laughs> Janelle Monet. In a dystopian future, people are called computers, and there's nothing worse than a dirty computer. Jane 57821 is a dirty, dirty computer sent for cleansing. We're treated to our memories, which are really just a series of music videos, as technicians erase them and her identity. I liked this movie because I'm a big <laughs> fan of Janelle Monet. Um, it is essentially four or five music videos i forget mm -hmm. exactly how many um i did know some of the songs before right uh held together by this kind of container story of her getting her mind wiped it was very much eternal sunshine of the spotless mind these technicians yes. are kind of viewing her memories and then we are treated to these kind of visually stunning i thought uh music videos but there's not really much to say about it yeah, I think the uh, as a concept album, it's a good album. Music's great. The music videos themselves are all interesting and fun to watch. Uh, the wraparound story is a is a nice idea, but it doesn't really do anything new or unusual. And I found it was uh, I was just more interested in the music than the wraparound story. Yeah, yeah. When when whenever they would go to that container kind of wraparound story. I was just like, can we can we get some more jams going here? Yeah, I do yeah, think get some... it's really cool that uh, so this is something bands have done for a very long time. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Pink Floyd, The Wall. This is mm -hmm. basically a a film version of one of those kind of theme concerts, a concept yes. album concert, which I appreciate. I thought it was really cool that she did something new. Mm -hmm. Um there were some bops in there. I, I enjoyed it. I'm never going to say bops again. It felt wrong. <laughs> I'm like, wow, are you 70 years old? <laughs> you know, I was just, it made me want to push a hoop down the road with a stick. Uh, <laughs> right. Like we used to do. Yes. When music was good. <laughs> well, we're, we are saying that this is good music. It's not that old. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It was like, 48 minutes i want to say 42 yes. minutes um i didn't make it all the way through the interviews because i just you know didn't care right i only watched the film itself 
Uh, I thought Janelle Monet uh, is a very talented musician and she's a good actress. So I've seen her in other movies that she's mm-hmm. been very good in and she's got a great look for these videos. She knows how to, you know, uh, act and just be present for the camera. She's, a, she's just, you know, a good performer she's in great. general. I love her. I I will probably watch this again many times. Hmm. There was one part where I thought I was losing my mind uh, (laughs) during the pink music video in the desert. (laughs) That was my favorite one. (laughs) It was my favorite one too. I was like, I don't know what's, what is this? What's going on right now? (laughs) Right. That was a lot of fun. The vagina pants. It was great. Vagina pants. That was exactly the part where it looked like they were birthing people, but their legs were moving about. Yeah. It was mesmerizing. Birthing Tessa Thompson, another great Birthing actress. Birthing Tessa Thompson, yeah. Yeah, and I'm I I don't know how I never heard of this because this seems like something random that I would have heard of just by liking Janelle Monet and Tessa mm-hmm. Thompson. So I'd never heard Janelle Monet's music before, at least sat down and like listened to it. So I was I was impressed. It was a good variety of songs. Uh well written and the Music video concepts were just not really story-based concepts. Like it didn't really tie to the story that was trying to be told, but they were all engaging and fun to watch. Yeah, I knew. So I know a lot of her songs, but not by name. My friend got me into uh, specifically the song Make Me Feel is the only one that I knew the name of. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she's a regular on my Amazon music. All right. So do you have any other thoughts on Dirty Computer? No, I would throw this on at a party. Okay, I, I would yeah, just like, good. it's great. If you don't know what kind of music to play, these are weird songs, but this is like definitely kind of a conversation-y, I think, movie. If you're just hanging out with friends, having a couple drinks, or maybe whatever substances yeah, may or may not be bopping. legal in your area. Yeah, if you want to bop um, with your parlor girls, uh, I would just <laughs> throw this on and, you know, everybody have a good time when you're talking and listening to some some good jams solid three yeah. and a half four stars and it's okay, only that low because i don't know what to call this it's not like a movie mm-hmm. i i'm on the same boat i gave it three stars it could bump up in the future but yeah yeah i think just because the wraparound story was disappointing for me that it got that lower rating but otherwise yeah it's, it's a it's a bopping group of jams yeah one thing uh sorry I keep thinking I'm done and forgetting fun things that I learned when I was like, so Janelle Monet has talked about having an alter ego named Cindy Mayweather. Who's an Android. Apparently a lot of her um, music is sci-fi inspired. She loves sci-fi. So that was kind of like the origin of a lot of this. Her first uh, record I believe is called, there's one that has an Android in the name. And then one of them is also Metropolis, which I believe is related to the classic sci-fi movie Metropolis. Mm So I don't know. Those are just interesting facts that really don't have anything to do with critiquing this film. But I have one interesting fact. I swear that one of the music videos had an overt reference to Alejandro Jodorowsky's The Holy Mountain when they were shaving the girls' heads at the, and I think in one of their first music videos. And they were in that pose, foreheads together with the person in the cowboy hat behind them. That is straight out of the Holy Mountain, which is just a deep cut for a film reference. So Janelle Monet might really know her stuff, which is cool. Yeah, it was very cool. 
All right, well, I'll do my pick of what I saw next, if that's cool with you. That's totally cool uh, with me. I did another um, whole album movie. <laughs> for, so this is a film version of the album All Day by Girl Talk. Are you familiar with Girl Talk? They're one of those bands that I've heard of, but I don't think I've ever actually heard. It's actually just one guy, and he does um, mashups. Very, very good mashups of popular songs mashed up with hip-hop songs. Really good stuff. It's like the, the real-life version of the the Barden, Be- Barden Bellas from Pitch Perfect. <laughs> um, anyway, so his album, All Day, they, he made a video, a feature-length movie, um, in 2011, directed by Jacob Krupnik, starring three people, and there are three dancers, Anna Marson, Di Omiya, and John Doyle. And it is basically the story of this girl who gets fed up with her ballet class and leaves into the city of New York and just dances her way from Staten Island all the way to the other end and meets these characters along the way that are also just dancing. There's no dialogue. It's all just music and dancing the whole time. But it's kind of like, it's like proto TikTok where they were dancing in the middle of New York City in this like run and gun style of, you know, not getting permits, I'm sure, and not clearing for people to be in this film because there's just a lot of random people in the in these scenes, kind of like you see on those dumb TikTok videos of people trying to dance in public. So it does get a little cringy, but I think what makes this different and better is the intention. Um, I can probably get on a soapbox and talk about this, but I, I'll just briefly mention that I think they're trying to make something interesting here. They're trying to uh, show the power of movement and, uh, and the happiness that it invokes in people. And a lot of TikToks are just there to just get views, which I think is a different motivation. Everyone um, wants to be a star. Yeah. So I think this is more about uh, creating art. Like you got some great music, you got some great dancers, and they're not like classically great. They're like messy dancers doing clearly mostly improvised dancing and a story kind of develops between the three of them as it goes on and it just gets more and more lively and more fun and i ended up it started to grow on me 77 minutes long which is kind of long for what it is but that sounds really long towards the end i was just like oh no i had a smile on my face for a lot of it which i was surprised about because i really thought i would be just cringing inside watching people dance in public so I do recommend it. Also, the music is incredible. Really, really good music. So that is, uh, I didn't mention what the title of it's called. The album is Girl Talk All Day. Girl Talk is the the guy's screen name. All Day is the album, but the movie's called Girl Walk All Day. Oh, I see what he did there. Yep, yep. So definitely recommended. At least listen to some Girl Talk. Uh, I don't know that I could do it so close to um, Dirty Computer. Mm-hmm. That might be as as musical as I can get for now. And it wasn't really musical. It was just a series of music videos. Right, right. So I'll keep it in mind. Maybe okay. it'll end up on my watch list. Or I'll just forget about it about 10 minutes after we stop recording. Yeah, at least yeah, put it on Spotify or something. Yeah. 
I went a completely different direction. Um, This this is the podcast episode of movies. I can't believe I never watched until now. Uh, I wanted to stick with the dystopian theme. So I finally watched the 2012 version of dread directed by Pete, Pete Travis Written by John Wagner, Carlos Ezquerra, and Alex Garland. Why did you make that noise? Because I'm a big fan of Trent. <laughs> you really like this movie? Yeah. Huh. I was underwhelmed. Oh, man. Okay. I. It was visually grungy and cool looking. Um, I liked the visuals. This was, I believe, originally filmed for 3D, and I, I loved... I guess I'll try to there's not much plot to really talk about. Um, I guess the main setup for the world is there's one gigantic city. America has succumbed to nuclear war, the thing we were all afraid of for about 50 years or so after World War Two. Uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. So we got Oppenheimered. Um, and there's now just one giant city on the eastern seaboard. I think they said Boston to Washington, D.C., 800 million people live in this kind of walled compound. And uh, at least the rest of the eastern half of the United States is just um, irradiated wasteland. Crime and poverty are kind of out of control, running rampant, although this is one of my issues with the movie, but uh, we'll get there. Um the only form of justice seem to be these like urban police called judges and they are, have been given the power to be judge, jury and executioner. And that's it. Basically this, there's this one specific judge called judge dread and he's given a recruit and they start to investigate this crime. Uh, three bodies were hurled down a 200 floor, uh, apartment building that is basically a slum, 200 floors of slums. And, you know, they just get caught up in this kind of like drug gang war. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it sounds really cool. I think so. The drug makes you live life at a speed. I don't know that they ever say, but it is super, super slow mo. And those scenes were all really cool of people tripping on this drug called fittingly slow-mo um i bet it was visually stunning because it was filmed in 3d originally so i would love I to have actually see this in 3d because it was pretty stunning um and it was i loved the way they contrasted those scenes where they were showing people on drugs and how bright and vibrant everything was mm-hmm. kind of juxtaposed against the grimy um you know not gray. There was actually a lot of color in this movie, but it was like subdued color. The color palette totally changed. That was most of what I liked in this movie. I, and the I gore. Like... It was also very gory. And I, yes. I appreciate the the absurd levels of violence. In <laughs> I agree. I appreciated both those things. I also really liked the people trapped in the place. <laughs> this, yes. The simplicity of the script. You get very minimal character setup. You get like one like um, goal that they have, and there's a bunch of cool interactions on their way to meeting that goal. And at the end, it's over. And it's like it felt like a like a good graphic novel, you know. Get in, get out, show some really fun, exciting things, and 
Uh, I thought Carl Urban was a great dread. I wanted just... more. I, I wanted okay. more. I wanted to know. The movie was a tease in a lot of ways. They, the, the scene where they introduced this girl who was actually in Juno. I just realized a connection to my earlier movie. Oh, um, wow. She was the best friend in Juno. Uh, Thrillby, Thurlby, something like that yeah, is the last Olivia name. Thurlby, yep. Um, is the psychic and, you know, they, they go about telling how she's three percentage points shy of, you know, being qualified to be a dread and dreads like, or a judge rather, sorry. And Mm -hmm. dread is like, well, why is she here? And they do this like thing where they showcase her psychic abilities and she's supposed to be describing what judge dread is feeling and she's anger and control. And there's something underneath. We never get to that. It's a tease. Like I don't. I knew nothing more about Dread from the first 10 seconds of the film to the end, which is probably I... the point because he's supposed to be faceless justice. But yes. the, the other thing I struggle with is having a, a fascist police force that can just enforce. It was very <laughs> uncomfortable to me to watch police just right. like deciding who should live and who should die. Maybe it should, maybe it played in, better in 2012. <laughs> yeah, and even in the, uh, the the first scene, you know, the introduction to what a badass Judge Dredd is, um, mm-hmm. he's just like kind of haphazardly shooting this car, which could careen into the you know 800 million people who are kind of walking around the street, and he's just like, well, these guys are driving. Somehow he knows they're on drugs, even though you know they could just be driving erratically. He says they're on drugs. He knows. Somehow, don't know how, uh, shoots this car. It like somersaults through the streets. Luckily, doesn't hit anyone. But I'm like, he probably would have killed more people. Like, how is he not guilty of? It just was uh... like a very I I needed to know more about this world because I don't know anything about the graphic novels. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say Carl Urban is great. I did not. He has this stupid sneer on half the time, which I think would have been better to just be expressionless. I didn't like (laughs) I don't know if it was his choice, if he was supposed to. It it almost looked like he was impersonating uh, Sylvester Stallone's actual face. You know how (laughs) that's not a shot at Stallone, but he he legitimately had. um, I forget what what happened to him when he was younger, but that's why he has that one side of his mouth is actually like that. And Mm -hmm. it it just looked like this comical frown that he had on half the time. I don't know. There were a lot of weird choices in this movie, especially by how much of that could be choked up, chalked up to the comic, you know? Yeah. I'm not not familiar with the source material, so I am not either, but the film gave me that feeling of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up a graphic novel and I'm jumping in with this character. I'm reading a cool story of where they do cool things. And then the graphic novel's over and it just cuts to credits. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like this movie was, I think, 135 minutes. Like, I feel like I could have used another half hour. Um, uh, 99. Yeah. 130. An hour and 35. Yeah. That's what I meant. An hour and 35 minutes. Because let me read real quick. Uh, the storyline and the storyline that they have written on IMDb is like what I want to see and not what I feel like I got. Uh, The future America is an irradiated wasteland on its East coast, running from Boston to DC 
lies Mega City One, a vast, violent metropolis where criminals rule the chaotic streets. The only force of order lies with the urban cops called judges who possess the combined powers of judge, jury, and instant executioner. None appeared throughout the city. Dread is the ultimate judge. We don't see that. There's one line from a fellow judge who tells us, like, and it's at the very end of the movie when these crooked judges are called in by the gang run by uh, Cersei Lannister. Yeah. Um most beautiful woman in the realm. And he says, you know, Judge Dredd finally takes a bullet, but that's the only indication we have that he's a special judge. You know? Uh, there was I another think... thing, uh, a dangerous drug epidemic that has users of slow-mo experiencing reality a fraction of its normal speed. We don't know that that's an epidemic. Like, there's nothing... We need more of, like, a police procedural with that badass character. I feel like I wanted to know him. And I feel the opposite. I feel like I didn't want to know him. And I was happy that it wasn't like the first Judge Dredd movie, which was convoluted and had way too much story. And this yeah, I didn't see it. that one. Or actually, no, I'm pretty sure I did see it and hated it. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it was to get 15-year-old me to hate a Sylvester Stallone movie? <laughs> right. Nearly <know>. impossible. <laughs> well, I, I think that, yeah, maybe it's just our, our uh, what we we each wanted something different out of this movie. Um, but I did appreciate the almost uh, brutalist script <laughs> that this had that really just uh, set up the bare minimum, like a deconstructed comic book action movie in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I was left with more questions than I had going in. Like, you have a whole uh, building. 200 stories with God only knows how many tens of thousands of people live there with a 96% unemployment rate. I don't, how does that work? Like what's going on here? It's a horrible place. That's all you need to know. (laughs) The, 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 the crime rate, not to get into the nitpicky, but you know, they, they just like everything about the movies, they just skirt by things like think it was on fast forward, which is why I feel like even just a couple 15, 20 more minutes of like world building would have been very helpful to me to be mm-hmm. like, wait, what? Uh, he says he has a line, um, 17,000 serious crimes every day. Well, America has 24,000 misdemeanors every day with half the population. They're doing great. What do you mean by serious crime? <laughs> I guess depends what, uh, yeah. 24,000 misdemeanors a day, really? No, uh, felonies rather. Felonies, wow. 24,000 felonies in the United States in a population of 350 million people. You have 800 million people just from Boston to D.C., only 17,000 serious crimes, whatever that means. That's, that's <laughs> well, like, really I, good. This is a utopia. They're living on Alderaan. Not Alderaan. <laughs> that blew up. Uh, Coruscant. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll chalk it up to uh, their definition of serious crime is a lot more serious. I guess maybe contextually. That's why I right. I just wanted to know, like, what do they mean? This building looks bad. Oh, and I didn't, like, yeah, and like I said, I didn't want to know. We just, I just know the building's bad, and that's all I cared about. And you know, he's got to take down Mama. Yeah, like why? If you have this police force that can just practice extrajudicial judicial killings, how is there crime? Mm-hmm. You have basically an army of uh, not quite RoboCops. Like, you should be fine. Everything should be fine. It's just a matter of numbers. They're they're outnumbered. (laughs) Not for long. Yeah. 
<laughs> those cool guns that can shoot whatever ammo you say, apparently. That's fun. I like those. Those guns were so cool. Lots of cool <laughs> things. I, I just wanted more. I wanted, I wanted to know about this world. I like how, um, I like the, the, the scene where that guy is trying to get into Olivia Thurlby's uh, head, you know, by showing her horrible images and then she breaks them. That was great. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> that was cool. Um, also, Olivia Thurlby was in Oppenheimer, bringing it all back together. It was, yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah. well, we can agree to disagree. It was usual. fine. I, two and a half, three stars, I guess. I'm out of four. Yeah. All right, well, uh, that was a very interesting main topic, so thanks for having that on your watch list. I think that it is your turn to pick from my list. This is a very easy choice for me. Uh, I'm hoping to make it hard for you to live in your house. Okay. I found a film on your watch list called Winter Beast from 1992, directed by Christopher Thies. Set during the fall, not winter, because of course, a small New England town is brutally ravaged by possessed totem poles. <laughs> you have a totem pole in your front yard. I hope you can never look at it again. Oh man, I'm excited. This is uh, one of those uh, regional horror movies that is kind of notorious for how bad or good it is. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm and looking yes, at the, I do have totem poles. The letterboxed uh, a banner image, I guess. It just yes. looks like a terrible. I thought it was an alien until I read the description. It looks like Mac and me. <laughs> it does not look at all like a totem pole, but uh, I'm down with it. Well, a lot of my people I follow have given it five stars, so I'm excited. Totem poles coming to life, face melting, stop motion monsters, chest bursting, hazy atmosphere. What an absolute 80 minute delight, a regional delicacy in every sense of the word. Such sights to see along with my other projects, can be found on proleary.com. On Letterboxd, I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey, because I'm longer. Thanks for listening, and as always, have a good night and sweet dreams. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.